13 folds. Each fold a reminder of a life spent in service. Service to country, service to people, protecting God-given rights, preserving freedoms. 13 folds. At each fold, we remember the friends and family left behind, the mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, sons and daughters left to pick up the pieces. Thirteen folds. And we remember the scriptures. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Each one loved greatly. We also remember that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And today we pray, God be near those who need comfort. So, draw close to those who mourn. Make your presence and appreciation known. Let this church be a safe place, a comforting place. And let us honor those who have given their lives in service to this country. Thirteen folds to signify a life given to service. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, everybody online who's watching with us and participating with us. And this is Memorial Day weekend. And, of course, everybody's traveling. People have a lot of different um, schedules with family and everything. And we understand and celebrate that. And that's awesome. Um, this being Memorial Day weekend, I do want to honor those in my family that have served, starting with my dad, Wayne Behrens, and my father-in-law, Francis Berger, my grandfather, Cletus Dunn, Pawpaw, my uncle, Irvin Rayheim, my uncle, Clifford Bo Miller, my uncle, Lester Behrens, my cousins, Cliff Miller, Thomas Behrens, C.J. Miller, Kobe Miller, and Gloria Rays. So I'm sure you guys have people in your family as well, and I encourage you to find some way to celebrate them and to honor them this weekend, and, you know, whether it's on Facebook or, you know, just calling them up, you know, and just taking a moment to remember the, the greatness of our country as a result of those who have served. So this morning, we do want to honor those who are veterans and who, those who have given their lives. See, because everyone gave of their life. When you sign up for the military, you're giving at least four years of your time, and sometimes you re-enlist, and some people make it a career, and then some people actually are called upon by the circumstances to give their life, and many have sacrificed their lives. So we're not just celebrating and honoring um, the, the lives that were sacrificed, but also those who gave of their time. But you know, there's also another side of that that sometimes gets forgotten or pushed to the side, and that is those who sacrificed... And have come back, but they're still sacrificing because of what they went through. So let's remember them and let's pray. So let's just take a moment right now and let's pray together over all those. God, I thank you for all of our veterans, Lord. I thank you for our military, those who serve us, those police and fire, and those in all the armed branches, Father of the Armed Forces. Father, we just pray a blessing over all those who are family members, Lord, have served, Lord, those people who who have 
given their life for our country, Lord. And as I saw one video of the, the memorial at Arlington, and there's 400,000 people estimated to be there. Lord, we have such a heritage and so much to be thankful for. We speak a blessing over all of them. Pray for all those that have come back, God, and are still dealing with PTSD and different things that are causing them a great deal of anguish, Lord, even though they're back. Lord, we speak a blessing over all of them. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You know, as I was contemplating this weekend and this whole celebration or honoring of Memorial Day weekend and, and putting into context of where we're at as a church and the message series that I felt God leading us to, and last week we looked at the wilderness and we looked at Elijah, and, and I started thinking about just about every conflict, every war is waged, it is is the battle happens in the wilderness. Many times it's in the desert lands, and, and you'll see that, you know, it's just nothing but just sand everywhere. It's 110, 120, you know, higher degrees, you know, and just it's a miserable place. And, and it can be real easy to say, man, what in the world are we doing here? What's going on? And it's kind of what we saw last week where Elijah ended up in the wilderness. And and the wilderness experience that he went through twice, one God called him to, and one he went through himself and as he was trying to run away. Can I tell you, I believe that each one of us will have at least one wilderness experience in our lives. That's why I felt God was really leading us to talk about that for last week and this week. It's a look at the wilderness that we find ourselves, because we may find ourselves walking in a wilderness. If we're all going to go through that, if we're all going to experience that, then we need to be prepared and recognize what that looks like and look at the possible things that are going to happen. Which is why at the beginning of Jesus' ministry this week, we're going to see he found himself in a similar place. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 3, Verse 13. Now, just while you're turning there, while you're getting there, and the scriptures will come up on the screen, let me just set the context. Let me just set the table for you. Jesus came on, was born. We know the, the story of Christmas, and he's raised up, and now he's 30 years old. And his mom, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, she's like, hey, we're at this wedding, and they're out of, of wine, and can you help her out? And he's like, it's not my time. We looked at this just a couple of weeks ago. And she kind of pushed him into that whole thing. Well, now he's really at the time. And he goes out to the wilderness where his cousin John the Baptist is telling everybody to repent and to be baptized. So here we pick up in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it, saying, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. So John recognized the deity of Christ, of Jesus, even though he's his cousin, and said, hey, listen, I know who you are, and I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to baptize me. As as much as I'm in the work of the ministry over here, man, I, I really need you to help me in what God's called me to do. And look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, verse 15, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. But can I tell you that that is not just for Jesus? Can I bring us back to that same place? Every single one of us 
we should also carry out that all that God requires of us. So the things, the path that God has for us, the, the steps that we're supposed to take and the things that are ordered for us and how we, we need to do all of those. So where John's like, hey man, I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. Jesus is like, no, there's an order, there's a path, there's a journey that God, my Father, has me on and we need to do it. So John agreed. After his baptism... Verse 16, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Man, we talked about baptism is coming up in a few weeks and so exciting to do that. And we're going to have this little circular pool up here, a little jacuzzi. It's got to be all nice and warm and toasty. And we're going to do that. And when, when you're getting baptized and you're going down under the water, it's signifying that your life as you knew it, you're going underneath and you're buried in that water and you're coming up raised up anew and as that Jesus went through that and he he showed us this is what God's will is for us as he did this as he came up he saw the spirit descending on him and and many people's experience when you get baptized is pretty is pretty amazing some people see it differently and some people but it's amazing to see just the lights come on in your eyes I encourage you definitely take that step if that's your next step, man, that's, that's a great thing. But as Jesus did that, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So it's not something you can really articulate, but he saw something. And the only way they could say is like this, this dove came down and landed on him and it settled on him. And then, verse 17, a voice from heaven said, the audible voice of God, this is my, deli- my dearly loved son, which brings me great joy. Can you imagine being there and Jesus shows up to the baptism? John, they're having this argument. No, 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 you know, no, 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 okay, we're going to do this. John baptized him and when he comes up, the heavens open up. And then you hear this voice raining down from heaven. This is my son. God himself is validating. No questions about who Jesus is at this point. I mean, if you're there, this is Jesus. This is my son. The next verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, not by the devil, but by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. So here Jesus, the Son of God, the one who's showing us the example, he takes the steps, he gets baptized, and as he comes up, this miracle happens, this wonderful thing. The only time we really see that God's voice booms out of heaven audibly to everybody to hear, saying, This is my son validating him, putting that stamp of approval on him. And then he led into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Verse 2, for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I get very hungry after one day or half a day. He was there for 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 3, during this time the devil came to him and said to him, and look at, I highlighted several of these things. I want you to really pay attention to this. If you are the Son of God, if, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Wait a minute. Jesus had just been validated by God himself with an audible voice going, this is my Son. And the devil's like, if you are the Son of God, the devil is always going to come and try and question you. The devil's always going to be coming and trying to say, did God really say that? Verse 4, Jesus told him, 
No, the scriptures say that people, now I highlighted this and then I put in parentheses right here, what it literally means. No, it's not lit. It literally means mankind. See, the devil's trying to push Jesus into, did God really call you? And Jesus' response is talking about the example he's being for us. He goes, people, mankind, everybody that I came to give an example for, do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So even as he shows us that God's plan for us, we need to take every single step. We also need to be listening to God's voice. Even though God's voice led Jesus into the wilderness and the devil's coming and trying to mess his mind up and trying to attack him with all these things. Did God really say this? Jesus is saying every word is what we need to live off of. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, wait a minute, wasn't he just validated? And then Jesus answered it back again. But here again, he's coming again to question. If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even get hurt. Can I tell you that the enemy will always try to get you to jump off the plan or the path of God? Can I say that again? We actually have it coming up here on the screen. You'll see it. The enemy will always try to get you to jump off the plan or the path of God. See here, Jesus, he, he's trying to get him to say, are you really the son of God? Even though God had just rained down words from heaven audibly, just like shaking the whole place down. He's still coming and trying to attack his mind, saying, did God really say this? Are you really the son of God? If you really are, then do this to prove it. No, you don't have to prove what God has already said. You don't have to prove what God has sealed inside of your heart. But the enemy will always try to get you to be turned to the side. He wants you to jump off the path. He doesn't even care if you're saved. If you get off that path, if you just stop the plan that God has in your life, if you become ineffective. Jesus responded, verse 7. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. But Isn't that kind of what the devil did to Eve as well? He came to her and said, Did God really say that you're not supposed to eat from that tree? Did God really say? So see, the devil isn't doing anything new here with Jesus even. It's the same old trick. But can I tell you, it's the same trick he tries on us. The enemy will always try to make you question what God has said. The enemy will always try to make you question what God has said. God just spoke audibly from heaven saying, this is my son. And he's like, hey, if you're really the son, are you really the son? You're not the son. If you are, then you should do this stuff. Now, could Jesus have done all those things? Absolutely. But he's never going to play into the hand of the devil. Verse 8, now the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. This is what he said. I, the devil, will give it all to you if you will but kneel and down and worship me. Now, I really am so tempted to dig into this, but there's not a temptation if he doesn't have it to give. And really, the devil is pointing to Adam, and as I talked about just a moment ago, where the devil came and said to Eve, hey, did God really say this? He, God gave man the, the authority to rule the earth, and when they ate the apple, when they walked in disobedience, they gave over that authority to the devil, and that's what the devil is now saying. Hey, I'm going to give you back what I stole from Adam, when I tricked him and Eve, I'll give it all back to you. All it costs you is to bow down and worship me. See, because if he can't get you to question, did God really say this? Come again. Hey, did God really say you're the son of God? Are you really the son of God? If he can't do that, if he can't get you to get off the path, then what he tries to get you to do is to worship something else other than God. Jesus had had enough. In verse 10, he said, Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But can I suggest to you this Memorial Day weekend... That Jesus' answers, not only telling the devil's questions and the, the temptation, not only is he just telling him scriptures, but it's the same thing for us. When the devil comes to you and he tries to attack those areas where God's called you, maybe you've had some prophecies over your life where God says, hey, this is what your future's going to look like. This is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to do through you. This is what it's going to look like. And you're like, man, it doesn't look like that. And the devil, while you're in the wilderness going, God, it doesn't look at all like what you said. The devil's like, did God really say that? We can go to what Jesus said and relook at all those things and let those be our answers. People, verse 4, mankind, you and me, do not live by bread alone. So that which is natural to us, that which the devil's trying to tempt us with, that's not what's going to satisfy us alone. Do we still eat? Yes, we do. I love eating. We're going to have a great time at supper club eating. Okay, But that's not enough. When he comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, get off the path. Just jump off. God will take care of you. Hey, if God really called you to do this, just turn your back on God and see what happens. He'll make sure it all works out good for you. Doesn't the scripture say that he'll make all things turn around for you, for those of good who are called by? Dude, just get off the path. Don't worry about it. And Jesus is like, no. Don't test the word of God. Then he'll say, if you can just not worship God, if you can just kind of change who you are, and, and don't worry about that, just, just, just worship me through this music over here, or this, this other thing, and what you spend your time in, and all these different things. Don't worship God, just kind of get off the path, or get over here. 
Jesus' answer to the third situation. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. So this morning, my question to you is, if you're in that desert place, like we saw Elijah was in, like we see Jesus is in. By the way, John the Baptist was also in the wilderness. The devil's going to come whispering to you. No. Did God really say that? When God declares something over your life, you're hearing a message and we're talking about God's got great plans for your life. And, and he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he knows the plan, but you have to discover that plan. You hear that, but you get in there and you, Monday doesn't look like what you felt good about on Sunday. Tuesday seems really like, oh my gosh, is this all going to happen? How could this possibly be? When you're in that wilderness place, you keep your eyes focused Yes, it was God who said that. And God will accomplish it when he does it. I'm not going to get off the path. And I'm going to worship him. Now, practically, I've walked through this this last week. Last week in prayer, you know, every Saturday morning we come here at 8 o'clock. We set all the prayer requests out here. and It's starting to fill up the stage really, really well. It's so awesome that we have the opportunity to do this. I stood up here and I'm declaring and I just felt it rising up inside of me that we're declaring that the dry bones that we're playing of are going to come to life and all the, the churches that have, have planted here and, and the intercession that have gone on and then those churches folded. I just prayed out really strong, and I just felt really bold about it. And you know what happened this week? Right after I prayed all that stuff, the devil started coming to me like, did, I really, did God really call you to plant a church? Not as many people are coming as you think. Well, look at this church over there. They're doing better than you are. Look at, look at this one over here, and look at all this. And you, Did God really call you? And I realized something, that when you stand up and you make a declaration in your faith, that the devil's going to come around and he's going to attack that same declaration. And he's going to see if you're still going to stand in that same authority that you said, God, I declare that you're going to, and whatever that word is, he's going to come around and say, are you really going to stand in that authority? Because when I come in and I start questioning you, are you going to cower are you going to let doubt come into your mind? Are you going to get off that path? Or are you going to say, oh, oh, maybe I should do something else, or maybe we should go a different direction? What are you going to do when that authority in the spirit realm is challenged? There's power when you stand up and you declare what God says, and then you stay standing up and you kind of brace for the wilderness, because you know, just like Jesus was out there in the wilderness, and the devil came around going, hey, did God really say? Same way that Adam and Eve are happy in the garden, and the enemy of the snake just comes sneaking up there and goes, hey, did God really say? God is still here today telling us things, and the devil is still here today going, did God really say? You know, we talk a lot about next steps around here. 
That's like one of my favorite things to talk about all the time. What's that next step? And, and I think it's really the most important thing because it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Christ. Where's your next step? You could have been saved for 70 years, 100 years. And if you're not taking that next step where God's leading you, then you're going to miss it. There's going to be something that you're missing. Or you may just be getting on the journey today. It doesn't matter where you're at in that continuum. What matters most is what is the very next thing that God has for you. We saw last week that Elijah's next step led him to the wilderness. Then he missed a step, and he wrote some other chapters in his book that God didn't write, and he ran into the wilderness. He's hiding, and he's running away, and God had to bring him back. See, taking next steps isn't for sissies. Like the men and the women that we honor this weekend, it takes courage to stand your ground. Because when you put your stake in that ground and say, this is what God's called me to do. you got to be ready to stand your ground with courage when the devil comes. Did God really say that? If God really said that, then it should look like this. Let me tell you, it shouldn't look like anything. As I read my Bible... Every time God called somebody to do something, it didn't look at all like that. When he called Noah to build an ark, they built it for 120 years without even having a clue what rain is. What God's calling you to do, you may not make sense. may not even fit into your mind. you got to stand your ground. So what's your next step? What's that thing that God's calling you to? Maybe it's the first 15. Yes, I'm saying these every week for a couple of times because I want us to all get it. What is that next step? Taking the first 15 minutes of your day and having five minutes of worship, five minutes of bringing your prayer requests to God, and five minutes of reading the Bible. Maybe it's just to jump into the one-year Bible, and I love the fact that it's on our app. You can actually buy the paper Bible. And it doesn't matter where you are in the journey. Or when you, it's not like you're like, well, I, I've got to wait till January to start. You can pick it up today and go, today is May the 27th. Flip through there, find May 27th. You can read in just a few minutes. You can start your journey. Maybe your next step is to join us at prayer on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock. Oh, that's, that sounds terrible. That sounds like that's not fun at all. That sounds like I'd rather be sleeping in on Saturday morning. Don't you know what my week's like? Well, maybe that's the next step that God wants for you. I don't know. But when God is telling you that, you're going to start feeling it. Maybe it's baptism. We've been talking about that a lot. And I, I, it, you, we saw Jesus was baptized. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's joining a group that's coming in a few weeks plugging in and, and start going. It's going to be super duper small and in and, and just a few, just one or two and figure out, just like, oh, I don't really know about this, but I'm going I'm to give it a shot. Or maybe it's something as simple as purposing that I'm going to come every week for a year and not miss a Sunday service. Something as simple like that can change your life. Maybe That is your next step. But can I tell you, take your next step. 
no matter what it is, take it. If you'll bow your head, close your eyes. What's that next step that you feel led to? We have more people watching outside our walls. On our online church, through Facebook Live, through... We had 19 people yesterday joining us for prayer online, plus the people that were here. I have no idea where every one of you are at on your journey with God. But my question first would be, are you even on the journey? Or have you started that journey and fell off? Maybe when the devil came to you and said, hey, just jump off the path. It's, it's okay. You're going to heaven. Who cares about the rest of it? Today can be your day to get back on the path or begin for the first time. It's really between you and God. It's a personal decision. That's why we don't embarrass people. We don't make you come up front. We don't, we don't have you do all these uh, you know, things where maybe you're uncomfortable with. It's a personal relationship. It's a personal walk. The public side comes in baptism. When you stand up and say, I've decided to follow Christ and I'm going to take that next step in baptism. But today, this step is between you and Jesus. I'm just going to help you with the words. So if that's you today, and you feel that pounding in your chest, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. Oh my gosh, how does he know? It's not me. Wherever you're at, maybe you're driving in your car. Maybe you're sitting at your computer. I don't know. You know that God's speaking to you right now. Say this. Say, Jesus, I may not understand it all, but I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I invite you into my life, my hopes, my future. I surrender it all to you. I come just as I am. I choose to follow you. And I trust in you to reveal to me my next step. And every step from today forward, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time. Maybe they got off the path and they're coming back to you. Lord, I pray that you would cement inside of them your words. That when the devil comes and says, did God really say that? Did that prayer really do anything? When the devil comes and says, what about God did this? That they have a confidence. They can stand firm. The Lord, that they know in their next steps, Lord, which one to take. And they have the confidence and the courage to take it. Lord, I pray for every one of us. Every single one of us has a next step that you're asking of us. I pray for the courage to rise up that we take that next step and then the next step. The Lord, that we never stop 
looking and listening to your words. That we don't live just by bread alone. That we don't just go by what we think. We don't get discouraged when your words don't come to pass as quickly as we think. And Lord, I bind every work of the enemy that's trying to cause discouragement. First of all, in myself, Lord, and then into everyone else that is associated with this church. They would call Church on the Rock Dallas their home. Lord, maybe they're not even calling it home, but they're just kind of checking things out. Lord, I, I still cover them in prayer. Lord, I ask you to do this great work. Lord, I thank you that you have called us. You have destined this church. Lord, you have planted us here for a reason. And we're going to stand firm. And we're going to see your vision come to pass here. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.